Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello, and thanks for joining us here for episode 779 with Barry O'Reilly. Barry's got a cool perspective on how to achieve more through not learning more, but rather unlearning. So you'll learn one, the key to breakthrough improvement, two, how to identify what you need to unlearn, and three, how to overcome the fear of change. So if you want to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to items that we mentioned here, please pay us a visit at awesomeatyourjob.com slash EP779. And if it's your first time listening to How to Be Awesome at Your Job, welcome. You might want to check out episode zero, start here, and then episodes A, B, C, D, E, F, little sampler of the kinds of topics we cover here to get you oriented. You can find those in your podcast app if you sort from oldest to newest, and then they'll be right at the top for you. Now, here's Barry's story. Barry O'Reilly is the founder and CEO of ExecCamp, an entrepreneurial experience for executives and the management consultancy Antennae. A business advisor, entrepreneur, and sought-after speaker, O'Reilly has pioneered the intersection of business model innovation, product development, organizational design, and culture transformation. He works with the world's leading innovators from disruptive startups to Fortune 500 companies. He's a frequent writer and contributor to The Economist, Strategy Plus Business, and MIT Sloan Management Review, as well as a co-author of the international bestseller, Lean Enterprise, How High-Performance Organizations Innovate at Scale, included in the Eric Reese Lean Series and a Harvard Business Review must-read for would-be CEOs and business leaders. He's also an executive advisor and faculty member at Singularity University. Big thanks to Barry for sharing his wisdom with us. Big thanks to our sponsors. Check them out. One sponsor to check out is LinkedIn Jobs. Did you know that you can post a job for free at linkedin.com slash be awesome? And with a fresh year, perhaps you're like many small business owners looking for some fresh insight and talent to make 2024 extra amazing. Well, LinkedIn Jobs has created tremendous tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and free. I love how they make it so easy with their promotion and selection tools. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. No, no, no. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Here's some fun facts. 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours, and small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash awesome. That's linkedin.com slash B-E-A-W-E-S-O-M-E, as in you are being awesome, be awesome, to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Now, here's Barry. Barry, welcome to How to Be Awesome at Your Job. Yeah, no, it's a pleasure to be here, Pete. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm excited to hear your wisdom about your book, Unlearn, Let Go of Past Success to Achieve Extraordinary Results. Could you kick us off by sharing a, a key thing that you've unlearned that has proven quite valuable in your own career? Yeah, well, even writing the book is probably one of the best examples I have a solid history of D minuses in English literature through school. I'm dyslexic. I think if I told my teacher that I managed to write uh, one book, never mind two, that they wouldn't actually believe me. So it was, for me, one of the big unlearnings I had to have is actually how, how to write a book. And I suppose conventional wisdom would always say that, you know, writers sit there by a roaring fire with a perfect velvet jacket on and a <laughs> glass of wine and just like tearing out uh, pages and pages of content. And believe me, I tried that, but uh, it didn't work for me. Too hot? 
no, <laughs> looked too good. And yeah, I, I would sit there uh, for hours just with writer's blocker and I couldn't get typed the words on the page. And it was a, it was really frustrating because I felt like I was doing everything that the tips that people told me. So it was a real challenge. So then really I started to think about for me, well, how can I sort of reframe what I'm looking at, right? My existing behavior is not working. So therefore I need to unlearn. I'm not getting the outcomes that I'm aiming for of writing whatever it is, 10,000 words, 1,000 words a day, whatever I'd set myself. So I started to actually think about, well, uh, reframe my thinking away from just typing as the only way to create content. I actually started thinking about content. It's actually really like creating a book is content. And there's, there's suddenly many ways to create content. Typing is just one of them. So I started to think about other ways to create content. I could record it. I could speak it. I could yeah, get interviewed. I could have someone help me. So I landed on the idea of actually talking because that was the most natural way for me to share my stories. And what I did is I got a journalist to interview me. So we would write down like some bullet points that I wanted to cover in each chapter. And a journalist would interview me and I would just tell stories about what the chapter would be about. And we would record it and transcribe it using uh, an AI transcription service. So uh, we'd speak for 45 minutes and I'd get in the region of 20,000 words. Mm -hmm. I record it uh, and get a copy of it in, in text very, very quickly. And the journalist would then sort of go through that copy and edit really fast and send me like this sort of early version of a chapter that was sort of re relatively raw, but was edited. Um, and it gave me something to react to. It was like a, an MVP or a minimal viable product or chapter. And suddenly as I would read through it, then I'd be like, oh, no, that doesn't need to go here. And I'd, re I'd remember things I'd forgotten to say. Or... So we got into this iteration really fast. And that literally got me there, right? I actually unlearned how to write a book by learning how to speak about the ideas that I wanted to talk about. And that product of that is unlearn. And um, yeah, many people are often surprised when they realize when I say I didn't write hardly any of it. I spoke most of it mm -hmm. and I got somebody to work with me and an AI to transcribe it, edit it and uh, ship it. That's cool. That's cool. So you unlearned the notion of a what writing a book looks like. And in so doing, you, you found an approach that worked for you. And that's beautiful. Well, tell us when it comes to zooming out a little bit and, and broadly speaking about people and unlearning, any other big uh, surprises or, or aha discoveries you made while researching and putting together Unlearn? Well, the, the notion of unlearning was the thing that probably struck me the most, right? Um, so the first book I wrote was Lean Enterprise, How High Performance Organizations Innovate at Scale. It was part of Eric Ries's series or the Lean series. And um, it, was, uh, it, was, it was more successful than I could have imagined, to be honest. Um, and when we released that book, a lot of sort of uh, medium to large scale enterprises or scale up startups were sort of saying, well, we're not a startup. We're actually scaling our business. So what, what do we need to put in place to make us successful? And um, suddenly I was in the room with like Fortune 500 executives or uh, startups uh, in Silicon Valley that were scaling rapidly to work with them to help them uh, grow and innovate their businesses. And when I, you know, was fortunate to spend time with these people, some of the most competent, talented people you could ever hope to meet. And, and what I kept discovering was that while learning new things was, was hard, what was even harder was letting go of their existing behavior, especially if it had made them successful in the past. So the unlearning even in itself was a big aha moment for me, is that 
the the real skill is not learning new things. It's actually recognizing when your existing behavior and thinking is actually limiting your success. And then how do you find ways to adapt or innovate yourself to uh, meet the sort of changing market or situation that you're in? Um, And that was really my big inspiration for sort of writing on Learn and the stories and the examples and so forth that are captured sort of within it um, have just sort of been really the things that have driven me on uh, continuously to sort of do this. And uh, for many people, you know, it's interesting because unlearning is sort of a, an act of, um, if you will, sort of vulnerability, right? You have to sort of say that um, what I know is actually limiting my success. And really, I have to sort of uh, shift out of it. And, you know, for many people, that's very difficult because their uh, behavior, success is tied to their behavior. Their behavior and actions is tied to their identity. You're asking someone to change their identity in a way, and that is uh, extremely difficult for people. Mm-hmm. Well, could you maybe walk us through an example that illustrates the unlearning process that is would be helpful for professionals looking to become all the more awesome at their jobs? Yeah, so probably one of the classic examples that uh, I cover in the book is working with a senior executive from a, a Fortune 100 bank. And she took over the role or went into the role. And everywhere she went, uh, first day, people just kept asking her to make decisions, right? Everything from what direction should the company go in right down to what paper clips they should order, right? Every single person was just turning to her to say, what do we need to do here? What do we need to do here? And for her, that was a signal, right? She was like, there's a decision-making problem here. I shouldn't be worried about what paper clips we're ordering. That should be, people are uh, competent and smart enough to do that. Like why, why is everything from paper clips right through company direction landing on my desk and everyone freezing? Now, the process for unlearning is it's a three-step process. It's first about this recognition to unlearn, right? Identifying or diagnosing where your existing behavior is not working. In fact, the way I define unlearning is it's a process of letting go reframing or moving away from once useful mindset and acquired behaviors that were effective in the past, but now limit our success. So it's not forgetting, removing or discarding your knowledge or experience. It's the conscious act of letting go of outdated information and making space for new information to come in to inform your decision making and action. Right. So the first step is a diagnosis. So straight away, this executive was could diagnose that nobody was making decisions. And that is not the outcome that she was aiming for. She wanted to have a high performing organization where people could take responsibility and have an accountability to make decisions at the appropriate level, depending on the decision to be made. Right. So that was a signal for her. And so I sat down with her and I got her to say, well, let's let's describe it. Let's describe what success would be if this is the behavior that needs to be unlearned. How could we talk about the vision or the objective or the outcome you're aiming for that people would be achieving? You know, and, and I got her to sort of write a story about it, you know, write a vision statement for what would be true in the world if they had unlearned this challenge. So she wrote down things like people would be making safe to fail decisions. Uh, they'd make small decisions to understand if they had to make a big decision, they'd break it into smaller parts and learn along the way what works and what doesn't. This sort of learned helplessness to make decisions would be removed. All of her direction would be what success is and why it matters. None of her direction would be how to achieve it. The teams would offer uh, opportunities how to do that. 
So writing this story, it gave her these outcomes that she talked about, right? The learned helplessness disappears. Her direction is what success is and why it matters. She wouldn't be saying how to achieve it. And straight away, you could we wrote those down in an unlearning statement that would basically say the company will have unlearned when 100% of her direction is what success is and why it matters. 100% is or 0% of her direction is how to achieve it. 0% of people display this learned helplessness when making decisions. So suddenly she had sort of this statement that would encapsulate this unlearning of decision making as a problem within that company. She actually shared it with a bunch of her team for them to understand as like what would be success criteria for unlearning it. And then the next step is to sort of relearn, right? It's like getting people to try new behaviors to try and move towards these objectives or outcomes that we've described. So I always get her to sort of like pick one of these outcomes that she originally had described to sort of focus on. So there was the learned helplessness, how to achieve a decision or what success is and why it matters. And we picked actually that this one 0% of her decisions would include how to get there. So she took this sort of very bold stance, right? And I often say to people, if you want to relearn, it actually means you have to do something uncomfortable. And people mostly write down like simple things that they would try that they're used to, like uh, just be quiet for a moment or don't be the first to speak when someone uh, offers a, a problem or let the tea, all the team speak before she did. But the one she chose was even more uncomfortable. She said she wasn't going to make any more decisions. So if someone came to her and asked her to make a decision, her initial reaction would be, what do you think? Mm -hmm. Right. So introduce this tiny little new behavior. Now, you can imagine when you're a Fortune 10 or Fortune 100 executive and you sort of announce that you're not going to make any more decisions, uh, it could cause panic across the company. But the way that we made it sort of safer rather than just sort of never make a decision again, she was just going to try it for one day. So for one day, make it sort of safe to fail. She think big, but start small about trying to adapt this new behavior of not making decisions and asking people, what do they think? Right. And, and this is sort of the uh, moment that we call a breakthrough, right? So a breakthrough is literally when you start to get this new information, new behavior, new action and the results that actually give you a, a feedback signal that you should keep doing what you're doing and do something different. So literally she went into work, I think it was a Tuesday, and every time one of her team came in to ask her to make another decision on something, she sat there and said, that's interesting. What do you think? And what that did was something really magical. It allowed her to learn. It allowed her to learn about the people and what help they might need. Because some people, when she asked them, I don't know what you would think, would freeze, would be sort of, I, um, I don't know, um, you know, I, I really need you to make this decision. I don't, I don't have enough confidence or control to do it. So she could realize straight away that person would need coaching. But other people, when she asked, what do you think, would say, well, we've got three options. We can do option A and here's the pros and cons of that. We could do option B. Here's the pros and cons. Here's C and pros and cons. I think we should do C and here's why. So instantly she could go, great, let's do C, because she could see the rigor and the thinking that her team had actually performed and it gave her confidence to say, right, that's that's the direction we should try. Let's do it. Right. So this simple act of just not making a decision and asking people to say what they think sort of revealed this all this insight about who was able to make decisions and should be encouraged to make more versus who was hesitant to make them and needed coaching and support to sort of get there. 
right? And instantly then she just gets this uplift in performance because once she starts doing that, all her team start replicating that. And then suddenly you've got this big performance improvement where you can start to eradicate decision-making problems. So that's an example of an unlearning statement and going through the diagnosis of decision-making, the relearning of actually thinking big and starting small, defining outcomes and taking a small new behavior, which was not to make decisions and ask people what they think. And then the breakthrough was seeing this insight or learning from the team about who could respond well and who needed help. And that sort of informed her to keep going. And that's literally the cycle of unlearning. All right. Well, thank you for that that story. That's really cool. And I'm curious, as we zoom into individuals listening here, are there any key questions or prompts you find super useful to, to surface, to highlight, to assess, to diagnose? Aha! I may have an outdated or suboptimal belief or practice or mentality that... I would do well to unlearn. Like what's sort of the canary in the coal mine or some key indicators that I should be on the lookout for? Yeah, so the simple question many people ask is, well, how do I know what I need to unlearn? And to diagnose, uh, there's a set of questions that I ask people. It's basically getting you to think, is there situations where you're not living up to the expectations of yourself? Maybe there's somewhere you're not achieving the sort of outcomes that you desire. Maybe you've tried all the things that you can think of and you're not getting a breakthrough. Or maybe there's a situation that you're avoiding altogether because you just can't think, how am I going to tackle that? Right? Like these are all the signals that your existing behavior is not working. So not living up to your expectations, not achieving the outcomes you're aiming for, situations you're avoiding or struggling with, or maybe you've tried everything that you can think of and you're still not getting a breakthrough. Right, I could even ask you that, Pete, and you probably come up with four or five answers straight away. Mm-hmm. And these are all signals that our behavior is not actually uh, helping us achieve the outcomes that we're aiming for. And therefore, we have to unlearn. We have to try something different. Okay. And as you've seen a lot of workplaces, are there some common examples that pop up again and again and again in terms of, up? Oh, these are some things that would be great to unlearn? Yeah. So I think like risk taking is always a big one. Right. Like people's risk aversion, getting comfortable with being uncomfortable, trying new things, being willing to fail. Right. These are all decision making actually comes up quite a lot. These are sort of like uh, the commonalities, I guess, that I hear from a lot of people is how to help them sort of get those breakthroughs is trying new things that they've never done before. You know, a lot of it is about, I think, when people perceive that there's risk or both personal or perception, that if they try something and it doesn't work, how would they be perceived? That one really comes up a lot, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that's juicy. Well, And so then if I was working on that, how might you help coach me through that emotional stuff? Yeah, well, like, first of all, it's just a recognition, right? People diagnosing that that's the heart of the issue, right? Most people write it up as, you know, my boss won't let me do something or we're stuck in the status quo. We uh, were struggling uh, to do new things. We don't innovate in my business, right? Like a lot of people will sort of deflect it off to the company not allowing them to do things. A lot of it is then helping people recognize, well, first of all, you have agency and you can try. Uh, so how do we make it safer for you to try? Or you, or, or you feel safer that if you fail, how you'll be perceived? 
right? And one of the mantras of the book is this notion of thinking big, start small and learn fast, right? So have it's it's important to have a big aspiration or big outcome that you're aiming for, because that allows you to shift your thinking and your behavior potentially to get there. But the way when you're trying to make big changes is you don't take big leaps, you take small steps and learn your way through. So when somebody has a, a big idea to change their business, what I often say to them is, right, well, write down that big idea. Uh, Amazon have a famous practice where they get people to write press releases to describe what the world would be like if their product was in the market in two to three years time. What would be fantastic about it? But the way that they start is they don't do a huge, big project. They start small. They run some experiments with small customer bases to see what works and what doesn't, and then sort of grow it from there. So what I often say to people is if you have a big idea to change the way your company works, uh, don't expect that you can walk up to the CEO and get uh, millions of dollars of funding and a new team and just sort of start working on it. Do something small to start testing if that idea uh, is going to work. Pick maybe one or two customers and sort of show them a very naive version of the product that could work or could not and get feedback and show that it's working or not. And even if it doesn't work, it's okay. You will have learned something from those one or two customers about what success could be or what's the right product that they're looking for and iterate it. So so these are the ways that you can think big and start small to start tackling uncertainty and be successful as you try uh, new ways of working, new products, etc. So that's what we do most of the time is just coaching people how to think bigger, but start smaller so they can learn what works and what doesn't in a safe to fail manner. And once they get into that habit, then they're able to take on these more audacious uh, goals as they sort of see success moving towards it. Beautiful. Well, tell me, Barry, anything else you want to make sure to mention before we shift gears and hear about some of your favorite things? No, I think like the the message for me always, with I've got to unlearn stuff all the time. It's tough sometimes to recognize that you, the actual reason you're not being successful is yourself, that you can't get out of your own way. So I think a bit of humility a bit of not trying to beat yourself up too much when you're not getting to success, I think is, is quite important and recognize that a lot of this is a sort of journey, a learning journey, if anything, a constant iteration and experimentation on yourself. And if you see it like that, it can be a fun, fun journey to go on rather than beating yourself up along the way when things don't work. All right. Thank you. Well, now could you share a favorite quote, something you find inspiring? One of my favorite ones, and uh, people will have to buy the book maybe to find out what chapter it in, was this one, is that something always gives up. Either the problem gives up or the person gives up. But if the person doesn't give up, ultimately, you'll get the breakthrough that you're looking for. And that was really interesting for me as a notion to think about. It is a little bit of a battle of wits between the problem you're trying to tackle and the person or you, yourself trying to tackle it. And really, half of the way to succeed is just keep showing up. If you just keep showing up, something will give. Either the problem will sort of give and you'll get past it, but hopefully before the person gives up uh, because then the problem wins. So that's always motivated me to keep, be persistent and keep showing up. And uh, I really enjoyed that quote. Well, thank you. And how about a favorite study or experiment or bit of research? Oh, well, I think my favorite example in the book is Serena Williams. And her story is just uh, purely phenomenal. She's sort of against the odds story. And also the success that she has is, had and continues to have is sort of totally uh, unheard of and a total outlier for the sport that she uh, plays in. She actually is getting better as she gets older, which is unheard of. Most tennis players retire at the age of 27. 
she's 40 and she's still competing at the highest level, getting to finals and, and being successful. So, yeah, really a fantastic story that I opened the book with and would highly recommend people check her out. And a favorite book? It's called Maverick. And it was basically written about a small little factory in Brazil where the CEO who took over, uh, whose son who took over from his father, started using all these contrary methods to manage people that were much more about empowering people rather than the typical, let's say, corporate institutional management techniques. And they had massive success. Uh, so I'd, I'd hi- highly recommend people check out that book. It's, uh, it's one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. And a favorite tool, something you use to be awesome at your job? I like to sure SMB mic. Uh, you know, sounding good oh, yeah. uh, when we're on podcasts. I think that's one thing I learned, I think, through the pandemic, especially, is that it's really important to have good sound when you're communicating, because when the sound is bad, it makes it harder for people to listen. But when you've got good sound, it makes it easier for people to listen and more of the information goes in. So, yeah, get a great mic. That would be my tip for people. Agreed. And a favorite habit? At the moment, well, there's two. One is making a really nice coffee in the morning uh, when I wake up. That's definitely one of, that's my special time. And then exercising as much as possible. I think one of the things I've really learned as well, especially as I work in a, a venture studio called Nobody Studios, and we I work with a bunch of biohackers and this idea of like persistently improving your whole, both like mental activity, like doing exercises like this, reading, writing, etc., but also the physical aspect of how important it is to exercise and sleep. We're actually working on a, a sleep company at the moment, and it's just been fascinating to me uh, to realize and learn how important sleep is to our actual performance in general. So now I'm somebody who, you know, I used to stay up and think I could go by and six hours sleep a night. But now if I don't get eight, I get angry at myself. So it's been really interesting to learn some of these habits. Well, Barry, now you got me curious about if you're allowed to disclose what's the sleep company and what uh, transformational insights have you gleaned thus far? Well, the first one is that how important sleep is. I think most people undervalue how important it is. It's the most restorative process that we have. So no surgery or amount of vitamins or supplements are going to improve your well-being as much as sleep. So it's actually one of the most important things that we have to do. And so, yeah, some of the habits that I have had to unlearn was like going to bed late or a routine to actually optimize when you do go to lie down to sleep, that you get uh, the maximum sleep that you can get at high quality sleep at that. And it's everything from the triggers, simple things that people might say to you, like don't drink coffee or don't have high amounts of sugar or don't be in a, your body be in a stressed state when you go to sleep because you actually can have negative sleep, which uh, hurts you more. So all of these things have been really fascinating to sort of learn and discover. And yeah, if you follow our, our venture studio, Nobody Studios, you'll see the sleep company when we launch it to the public uh, in the next couple of weeks. I'm pretty excited about what it's going to do. All righty. And is there a key nugget you share that really seems to connect and resonate? Folks quote back to you often. Well, I think just even the word unlearn. It seems to be one of these provocative words that people go, yeah, that's it. That's exactly what we need to do. We don't need to learn more things. We need to unlearn some things. And I think it's been a fascinating uh, way to connect with people in terms of an interest area or a way to describe something or a notion that many people have felt, 
but weren't able to put word on it. So, yeah, I think on learn, it's a, it's a fun one. Let go of past success to achieve extraordinary results. It's all in the title. Okay. And if folks want to learn more or get in touch, where would you point them? Yeah, I'm pretty much Barry O'Reilly on every social platform you could imagine or barryoreilly.com. And if you're interested to follow our studio, we're nobodystudios.com. Go check us out on, on the web and similarly on most social media platforms. All right. And you have a final challenge or call to action for folks looking to be awesome at their jobs? Yeah, just uh, think big, have a big, bold aspiration that you're aiming for, the, something that you think could change, but uh, start small. What's the first small step you can do to start moving towards it? And you'll learn fast what works and what doesn't. So that's my message to everyone. All right, Barry, thank you. This has been a treat. I wish you much luck with Unlearn and all your adventures. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me, Pete. I really appreciate Barry's perspectives on starting small, both for your own fear, like, oh, let's give it a little bit of try, see how it goes, as well as for just having a superior offer and final product in terms of doing a little bit, getting some feedback, seeing how that worked, what needs to be tweaked, and then growing from there. Big things start small. Great things from Barry. Again, the show notes, the transcript, and links to bits we've referenced are over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash EP779. Hope to catch you next time and peace. Thanks for listening. To get the most out of the show, we recommend two key things. First, check out the extra resources at awesomeatyourjob.com. You can find this episode's transcript and links, as well as the perfect episode for your situation. You can search the full text transcripts of hundreds of episodes or explore episodes tagged by topic and competency covered. Second, subscribe to the podcast and get future episodes automatically. You can subscribe by telling Siri and several other smartphones and speakers, subscribe to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast or by tapping subscribe in your podcast player of choice. If you'd like some extra help figuring out podcasts and how subscriptions work, visit awesomeatyourjob.com slash subscribe for guidance. Hope to catch you on the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job.